Hello, everyone. Just a quick note about this episode. It is a bit of a special one. We recorded it before we had all of our nicer audio equipment, so the audio is a little bit rough. I'm sorry for you audiophiles out there. I hope you'll still listen. It's a great episode, but I promise if this is your first, the audio does get much better. Uh, thanks very much for listening, and without further ado, now to your regularly scheduled programming. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast Talk Clean to Me. I'm Joe Karen, And I'm Chloe Holzinger. And we're very excited to be bringing you our very first full-length pilot of the episode. So if you're listening to this now, thanks for tuning in. We're really excited to be kicking it off. Um, and it's just going to be uphill from here. Um, so if you don't know, what we're doing is we're interviewing founders and key members of startups working in clean tech, clean energy, sustainability, climate action, you know, those folks who are putting their money where their mouth is and throwing it all out on the line to start something they believe will make the world a better place. Uh, we'll be focusing mostly on the Northeast region, and we're here to just hear some stories, learn some things, and inspire you guys to go out there and do your own thing. So without any further ado, we are talking to Senthil today uh, to learn a little bit about Sistine Solars and their accomplishments. Um, and they have a very interesting take on solar panels, and their goal is to make solar beautiful. They've just been featured on Lifetime TV and were awarded a whopping $1 million from the DOE Sunshot program. So uh, I'll turn it over to Senthil now. Thanks so much for joining us. No, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Chloe, for having me. It's uh, my pleasure and honor to be here. All right, cool. And I think we're ready to jump right into it. You ready, Chloe? I'm ready. Oh, man, this is exciting. All right, so I think it's me first. Um, so, Senthil, if you could just give us the, the Sistine Solar Elevator pitch. You know, what is it, who wants it, and why? Sure. Uh, Sistine Solar is all about using design to get people excited about solar. So the reason, my, so that's what our philosophy is. What does it mean as a product? We have a technology to create solar panels of any color, pattern, or uh, whatever design you want it to look like. And we make it for homeowners so that the panels can blend in with their rooftop. Cool. No matter what color or design the roof is. Great. Awesome. So uh, we wanted to just jump right into uh, to your individual role in the company and what has been your specific journey um, of becoming an entrepreneur? Did you think about it for a while or did you just jump into it? Was it always what you wanted to do? Um, how'd you get here? Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, like Steve Jobs says, you can connect the dots looking backwards and looking backwards, I can kind of see the story emerge. But when I was doing it, there was no thought to it. <laughs> yeah. I uh, started Sistine, and this is my first company, my first foray into entrepreneurship. Started Sistine four years ago when I was uh, an MBA student at, uh, at MIT Sloan. And before that, I'd worked for a big company, and I'd worked for a small company. And that transition from a big company to a small company made me realize that I enjoy small environments the most. Mm -hmm. But that Absolutely. was it. You know, yeah, I, I like you know being part of, um, I guess, you know, smaller groups and I'm exactly direction. the same way. You know, just having a small, committed team with a you know unified passion and vision, and it's just so much more energizing than a, than a larger environment. I think. Absolutely, and that's that's the thing that I connect with the most: the energizing. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, uh, so that's all I knew, though. So when I came into MIT and Sloan, I think what swept me away was 
the plethora of entrepreneurship that was going on in the university. Absolutely. And just uh, walking through all the corridors where different research was happening, and these were some of the most brilliant minds working on some of the cutting edge uh, stuff out there, and they just seemed to be happy doing it. <laughs> and I think that energy kind of rubbed <laughs> off on me and uh, you know, gave me that initial spark to say, well, what if I tried something you know, in, in, of my own? Yeah, something of your own, right? That's what feels really cool about it. Like, if you see exactly. a problem and you can think of a solution, there's nothing that should stop you from going out and trying it and having ownership over your own company or your own solution or your own idea to make, you know, solve that problem. That's absolutely right. You know, the thing though is once I graduated from undergrad and I worked in what we call the real world for a while, <laughs> you kind of get a bit jaded. And you start thinking any, anytime something new comes along, you think of, well, what are the reasons it can't work? Mm -hmm. But going back to an environment like MIT, that it was exact opposite mindset. It wasn't, you know, what can make this go wrong? It's more, what if we did this? How about we try this? And I think being in that environment kind of re-energized me to say, let's not worry about the negatives. Let's just, mm -hmm. you know, sort of suspend that disbelief for a bit and go with the flow and see where this baby can go. <laughs> Asking why not rather than why. That's exactly right, yeah. So that, so mentioning uh, Sloan and MIT brings me to a, a question I kind of think about. So, you know, you pursued an MBA before um, just launching your own company. Did you feel like that was a necessary step? Uh, how did that help you and, you know, uh, folks kind of trying to become an entrepreneur entrepreneur, can they do it without going for their MBA, do you think? I, I definitely think so. I think it's a very personal decision and there is no right or wrong answer to it. Uh, can people start a company without an MBA degree? Absolutely. You know, there are many examples of people who, without even an undergraduate degree, have, have started companies. Um, but is an MBA a detriment to starting a company? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I, I really think it depends on, on the individual. For me, I think it was important that I was in an environment where I met similar minds. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wouldn't have started a company on my own. My co-founder was a classmate. King, uh, you know, Edo has a very similar background, very similar interests in life and vision for what we want to do. So the ability to meet, you know, similar minds and build a team out of that group uh, was central to me being able to launch mm -hmm. a company. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, MBA and grad school was integral to starting Sistine, but that doesn't mean it's necessary for everyone else. And I know I see you around Greentown a lot, um, yeah. doing lots of different engineering type things, as well as at your desk doing uh, the more business side. Um, can you talk about your general role in the company and if that's something you've always meant to do uh, at Sistine Solar, yeah. or if you initially started thinking, I'm just going to do the business side, or yeah. I'm just going to do the tech side, and compare that to what you actually do now. Yeah, sure. You know, we are a little bit, uh, I guess, odd in the sense the you're always told, you know, this good business would have a technical person and a business person coming together and, you know, <laughs> kind of uh, two people who complement each other. But in our case, Ido and myself, we are both cut off the same cloth. We are both business folks. You know, we have, don't have a technical background. Mm -hmm. So when we came together, it really was kind of hard to figure out what role we're going to play. So to answer your question, our role really evolved over time. Uh, so today what I do is I oversee product development uh, within the company mm -hmm. and Ido oversees sales and marketing. But in reality, as with any other startup, both sure. of us you know, does just equal bits of everything. 
Um, and for me, it has been very fulfilling to be able to tap into that part of my brain. Uh, mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, I don't have a technical background, but working with some of the brightest engineers from MIT and very talented designers from MIT and Harvard, it has been very exciting for me to, you know, uh, exercise that part of my brain. So I do a, on a day-to-day basis, there's a lot of prototyping, there's a lot of product testing that I do, uh, but then there is also pitching to investors and canvassing customers. Yeah. yeah. So one, one thing that was very important for me to learn about myself, so I came from an academic, you know, from academia, right? I studied material science and engineering. And when you're in an environment like that, surrounded by a bunch of PhDs, you're surrounded by a bunch of specialists, right? right? People who are, you know, focusing on something very specifically, becoming experts in something very specific. Not to say that within academia, it's not important to branch out into other specialties, but you are by and large a specialist, right? And something that was important for me to learn about myself is I'm a generalist. Mm. I really enjoy doing like a little bit of everything, right? Mm. I enjoy doing a little bit of the tech, but then I get distracted by the business side. And then I'm giving a pitch. And then I love thinking about business development and partnerships, right? And I think, you know, there's there's a place for everybody in startups, right? You need specialists and you also need generalists. And it was cool for me to, um, when I started entering kind of a startup environment to kind of click a little bit more because there was this need for someone who was willing to do a little bit of everything. Right, right. Yeah, you know, that's that's a very good point you make there. Um, generalist, specialist, you know, sort of what is more important. I don't think one is more important than the other. Right. You definitely need both. But here's the one thing that I learned, Joe, from those experiences. It almost doesn't matter what your background is. And I truly mean this. It's yeah. not a cliche. What trumps it at the end of the day is what drives you inside, mm-hmm. you know, and how how much you really want to see this dream come true. That overrides your lack of knowledge or your lack of experience in anything, because when you have that kind of hunger and drive inside you, you'll figure out ways to fill those gaps. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. I mean? And if you can't fill it yourself, you'll find ways to find people who can fill the gap for you. Right. But you can somehow find the answer to making that dream work. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big believer. It doesn't matter if you're an MBA or a technical person, how many years of experience you have. It really comes down to how much you know you feel for that dream inside of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think you said it perfectly. I think that's what draws you know all of us here in the room to clean tech entrepreneurship is that passion. You know, you can't turn around without bumping into somebody who's just here because they really believe in what they're doing and putting it out on the line. And, and having that sort of attitude be welcome here. Like, oh, I got yeah. turned down for jobs because I was too opinionated. <laughs> like, multiple yeah. jobs that I expected to get. <laughs> and I've been fitting into Greentown so much better than I could have hoped for. Yeah, and you know what? It's good that I, I, I personally feel it's good that you went that way and you finally found the right home because had you rather tried to fit into something just in order to be part of it, you know, it would have been wrong, you know, it would have been the wrong decision for you. So yeah. Kind of having that passion, having that opinion, having that perspective and being bold about it and stating it is, is, is I think, the way to go to finding the right place for yourself. You know? Sure. Got to be true to yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Um, let's see. So I actually want to back up a little bit. Um, and think about kind of the business plan and the trajectory of Sistine Solar. Um, so first of all, this is kind of a pretty unique idea as far as I'm concerned, trying to make solar panels aesthetically 
appealing. How is the market responding to this, right? In terms of like your customers, I should say, not the market. Right. Like, is this idea just intuitively makes sense to them? Do you need to explain this a little bit? What's it been like talking to the people you're trying to sell to? Sure. Uh, so the people we sell to are homeowners. We go directly to homeowners and the, uh, the idea is simple. You know, we can put up a solar installation on your roof that blends in beautifully with your roof, while at the same time it saves you on your monthly utility bills today. Uh, and the reception has been overwhelming. So we have done kind of like taste tests, like a Coke versus Pepsi taste test. So uh, we went to uh, you know, in-person demonstrations. We had uh, traditional solar panels. We had our color blending solar panels. We asked people, you know, kind of what they liked. Ninety-eight percent of the people picked the color match. That's fantastic. Yeah. That was, you know, we expected a positive response, but we didn't expect that much. <laughs> and it was also the comments that they said, uh, an adjective that we heard over and over was, oh, this is a no-brainer. I just didn't know solar could come like this. But if you're telling me it's like walking into Home Depot and I can pick any color of roof shingle I want, if you're giving me that kind of choice with solar and you're telling me it's still cheaper than what I'm paying Eversource today, <laughs> it's a no-brainer for me. I'll, I'll do that. Great. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the reception has been phenomenal for us. Cool. And then what about on the kind of the partner side of things or the channels you need to go through, kind of the folks in the solar panel in industry that you need to work with? Has that been smooth sailing or, you know, this is disruption, right, potentially? Or maybe maybe they don't think of it as disruption. How, how do they think of your product, you know, people who are going to be selling this, manufacturing it, stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, the... Um you know, the, the folks that are sort of most, uh, the, the guys that we partner with the most would be the solar installers. Okay. So these are the companies like Solar City and mm -hmm. Sanjevity that go knock on, you know, homeowners' doors and educate them about solar and sell solar to them. So those are the channels that, you know, we would uh, we'd want to tap into. Now, the, one of the hard things in solar in gen and I think energy in general is everything has to go through very long-term testing mm -hmm. before a product mm -hmm. can be out there, which is important, right? For if you are, if you're gonna invest in something that's, you know, has to be, has to last for 25 plus years, it has to go through a lot of testing and certification. So I think some of the big solar installers tend as a result to be a bit conservative mm -hmm. and they just need to see more and more of this out there. Right. So that's, re and that's not a, that's not a hindrance for us. Uh, you know, we are finding that homeowners are ready to accept our product and we're going to market with it. Okay. And the more we put it out there, you know, the more it's going to get the excitement of the big installers going. Uh, but, um, but yeah, those are the guys that we would be working with uh, most closely. So you were awarded $1 million from the DOE from their SunShot program. It has been life-changing for us. <laughs> uh, the, the SunShot award and the wealth of expertise that we get from the Department of Energy. We are in the best hands to make sure that our technology is fully vetted, you know, primed for market in terms of testing and commercialization. Mm -hmm. So very, very happy and fortunate to have, have, the, have the backing of such wonderful folks. You know, the specific goals of the SunShot is twofold. One, to massively increase the deployment of solar, mm -hmm. and two, to reduce the cost of solar mm. uh, to where it's a no-brainer economically for people to choose it. And uh, so we thought that we would really hit both of those, and in particular, the first one in terms of you know, widespread deployment of solar. What's great about this award is it is very focused on commercialization. So it's mm -hmm. not, here is money, just go and develop something, do sure. R&D. Mm -hmm. So we love that, right? So uh, it's almost like a, a, um, a VC investor holding you to task. And we want that. We want that kind of, you know, want to step up and be being held accountable. 
Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very so much. So part of what we're looking to accomplish with this podcast is to humanize these incredible startup stories uh, so that potential future entrepreneurs can get a glimpse into the industry, um, make the black box of startups a little more transparent. Um, and we think that there's no better way to do that than to share stories of both the scariest as well as the funniest yeah. uh, moments during our guest startup careers. So I was wondering if you could share with us those scariest and funniest moments that you've had while working at Sistine Solar or um, within your entrepreneurial career? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There are, man, you know, it's been four years since starting Sistine, but it feels like much longer than <laughs> so many, so many moments. Um, you know, I think I would say the scariest moment was uh, about uh, three years ago. So this, uh, this was six months after you know, graduated from Sloan. And um, at that time, you know, we didn't have any funding. Uh, we had just won uh, a renewables track within the MIT Clean Energy Prize. So it was a small amount of funding, but, you know, nothing to be able to, you know, sleep peacefully at night. <laughs> so my, uh, Ido and I, we had said, okay, we're going to give us six months after graduation. And if we get funding by then, great. If it doesn't work out, it probably means, you know, this is not going to go anywhere. Six months came up. We hadn't got any funding. <laughs> we're, you know, we're pretty much out of cash, and that was the scariest moment because that meant walking away from the dream. Mm -hmm. And it was—I just wasn't prepared to do it, and Ida wasn't prepared to do it. So mm -hmm. we actually ended up arbitrarily extending that runway we had given ourselves. Awesome. Turns out, three months later, we got funding—the uh, first round of angel funding—and so we we're able to continue on. But. The scariest was literally the thought of saying, this is it, we're going to have to walk away from this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so th that, that was the scariest moment there. Um, the funniest moment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, is there anything that you did not expect to happen that was just out of the blue wonderful? Like, yeah. so rather than out of the blue, oh my God, holy shit, what am I doing? Out of the blue, great, holy crap, this is the best thing in the world. I'm so happy I'm doing this. <laughs> no, that, that, now, that, now that you put it that way, that's, that's a great <laughs> there, there's a great phrase that <laughs> question, <laughs> there, is, there is a good incident that comes to my mind. So in the summer of 2014, uh, we did our first sort of outdoor pilot installation. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh -huh. what we did was we did a little parklet in partnership with the Boston Architectural College and a, uh, and a local nonprofit called VSA. Um, basically a parklet that was powered by our beautiful solar panels. Mm -hmm. Now all of this was grassroots work. So you know, it wasn't, we didn't have sort of a template to build the parklet, it was all sort of almost on the fly. And you know, as with, uh, they always say, whatever plan you have, kind of multiply 3x the time, that's what's gonna take. That was a perfect example of exactly what happened there. We went there, we had one build day, we were gonna build everything up. We came to the end of the day, and there was literally you know, one panel that was half a fix and kind of hanging <laughs> loose, and you know, somebody had to kind of keep holding it up just to make it stay in place. It was getting dark, and, and we knew that we, couldn't be, we wouldn't be able to complete the installation. So we did some makeshift, you know, sort of props to keep it up. But then it took, actually took us a further week to complete the whole thing. We did the whole thing, and the very next day it started pouring, and we hadn't fully plugged oh, the openings no. in the, you know, in the mm -hmm. construction. So 
I went to Home Depot and I got one of those, uh, uh, I forget what it's called, one of those expandable glue foams that when you, you know, sure. yep. when you pour it on, it actually expands. It looks super ugly. Yeah, and my garage is I full was, of it. <laughs> I just filled it for that evening with that thing. And, um, and luckily it held up through the rain. And yeah. then after the rain had completed, you know, we got like proper sealants to cover it. But that was one moment I was thinking, what am I doing? You know, like, <laughs> I, you know, two years from, you know, out of college and... I have you know, my MBA. Yeah. I'm doing something. And I'm standing here with crazy glue and not knowing if this is going to hold up. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, oh my God, what am I doing moment for sure. <laughs> cool. All right. So we'll, uh, I think we're just moving right along here, which is great, right on time. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about more generally, you know, entrepreneurship here in the U.S. and the North, Northeast and the resources you've had at your disposal and needed to leverage in order to be as successful as you have been. Um, and I was wondering when it comes to the way, you know, the, the entrepreneurial ecosystem is and the resources you have, is there something that you feel really needs to change about the way entrepreneurs are getting support or needs to, you know, resources you need but don't have? Yeah. Uh, first off, let me say that the resources here at Greentown are phenomenal. And mm -hmm. I honestly don't think there is any other organization that offers a kind of resources here. Mm -hmm. The fact that, straight off the bat, the fact that there is hardware, prototyping, uh, space, and equipment to do that is game-changing for any you know, hardware and clean tech startup. Mm -hmm. And the ecosystem, you know, the community of entrepreneurs, the clean energy folks that come here. So the resources, honestly, I don't think I, I have much to complain about. The one thing that I wish were different, mm -hmm. and this was evident to me when I spent last summer in the Bay Area, such a general mindset of, um, uh, of investors. There is a big difference that I see in investors in the Bay Area versus investors here. Uh, which is that there they tend to be much more forward thinking and much more um, willing to take sort of five-year bets and 10-year bets. They're driven by the vision of the world that they want, to, they want their kids to live in. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, it still seems more measured and cautious. Right. Um, that's the only thing that I wish were different. I really thought the, the Bay Area investment mentality is uh, you know, much more sort of... Uh, uh, friendly to early stage startups than, than here in the East Coast. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I've always wondered about that you know, dichotomy between the East and the West Coast, especially since I would say Silicon Valley and then Boston and New York are the biggest hotbeds of you know, clean tech entrepreneurship happening right now. So. Yeah. Do you think you'll stay in the Boston area or do you think, are you planning a move sometime soon? Uh, you know, right. and the answer is it all, it, it completely comes down to the business and, mm -hmm. um, you know, how the business grows. Uh, we are very happy here in Boston. Mm -hmm. you know, I personally love Cambridge. Um, I love the ecosystem. I love the presence of wonderful talent. You know, finding great talent in, in Cambridge is, is so, so much of a difference maker for us. Um, so it, it all, you know, it all really comes down to uh, where we see demand for, you know, the uh, a product uh, that that really is going to determine uh, where it is going to be. At the moment, you know, we're very happy to be uh, to be where we are. Mm. Do do how much do state incentives and policy kind of drive which regions you're looking at? For instance, I was just reading this morning that. Um, 
in the Bay Area in California, there's a new ordinance that new properties above 10 feet, uh, sorry, 10 stories need to have renewable energy. They need to have solars on their roofs. So, that's that, right. so how much does that inform, you know, decisions you're making now, or is that a little too, too far down the line? No, it is. Uh, uh, I think, and, and you touch upon a very important point in, in solar, uh, the incentives and the market appetite uh, makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So we do, uh, you know, we do sort of, I think we, the first thing that we look at is proximity. You know, being a small company, um, it'd be hard for us, for example, to fulfill overseas demand, even though we've got a lot of interest from overseas. Uh, so geography makes a difference. And within the US, we do prioritize those states that have the most pro-solar incentives mm -hmm. in place. Mm -hmm. Now, the good news is states like Massachusetts, mm -hmm. you know, Massachusetts is one of the front runners when it comes yep. to you know, very forward-thinking policies. Um, likewise, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, they all have good solar incentives in place. Of course, California is the number one market and they have mm -hmm. phenomenal incentives. Uh, so all these are markets that, that are equally exciting to us. Um, but you know, really, uh, our mission stays, you know, I don't think we'll rest easy until we see every single year household <laughs> converted to solar, right? And the day is approaching because mm -hmm. solar costs have come down significantly that in many parts of the country, it is actually cheaper than your utility bill. Mm -hmm. And the more you have solar deployed, the more the costs are going to come down. So states that don't look attractive right now, two years from now, they could be super attractive. So um, yeah, we, we want to we wanna get into every single household in the country. So we've talked a lot um about passion and dreams and what motivates you, what drives you, why are you doing this? Why are you out in the rain filling <laughs> with that expandable foam on a rooftop? Why, why are you doing it? So where does your passion come from? Where does your drive come from? What is, what is your dream? Uh, I'd say it's uh, a couple of things. Uh, the first is that, that desire to, to see the world converted to 100% clean energy. You know, it's, uh, I, I, I personally believe that climate change is not a matter of debate. It is a matter of fact. It is something that has been proven over and over by scientific evidence. And we have limited time to act before our kids mm -hmm. pay the price for it. Mm -hmm. right? The future generations start paying the price for it. And I, and I come from India where, you know, the effects of climate change and the economic disparities that come from lack of energy access, you know, I saw that growing up firsthand. So for me, that being able to play a small part in converting the world to a cleaner place is a, is a big driving factor. Um, the other big driving factor for me is, you know, doing something when someone tells me it can't be done. Right, so, so, As with every good entrepreneur. Yeah, that's the entrepreneurial spirit. It, it, it truly, you know, when we first started, we did have our fair share of skeptics, as I'm sure with every startup, right? It's like, oh, you know, do you, oh, you guys are making solar pretty. Well, yeah, it sounds great, but really, do you think, you know, people would pay for it? Really, what, what kind of impact would it have? As soon as I heard that is, all right, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have to prove you wrong. I'm going to have to show you exactly what is So, uh, so yeah, it's those two things. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's not so much sort of an ego trying to prove people wrong. I think it's more if a problem can't be solved, then I really want to solve it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's that basic desire you have as a kid to solve an unknown, to solve a problem. So that's yeah. really what, what, uh, what motivates me. Not so much, aha, I showed you wrong. That's, mm -hmm. that's not really it. More of a healthy mix of curiosity and ambition. That's right, yes. Cool. 
And then, I, and then I wonder what you would tell aspiring entrepreneurs out there who have, who feel that similar kind of passion or feel that kind of fierce, um, you know, defiance to like build something of their own. Like, what, what's the what's the number one thing you tell folks like that? I think the number one thing uh, would be to to trust your instincts, uh, to to listen to your inner voice, um, and and you know, we talked about passion a lot, and it truly is the case. Uh, you can't last all the trials and tribulations of a startup. And I would say in general in life, right, anything that you are committed to, anything that you feel you want to dedicate your life to, you're going to face a lot of trials and tribulations. It's a passion that's going to sustain you. Mm -hmm. But along the way, you'll also get a lot of outside noise. You know, you'll get a lot of great advice from a lot of people. Sometimes you get a lot of very conflicting advice from a lot of <laughs> well-intentioned people. Sometimes you'll get a lot of uh, criticisms, a lot of naysayers. So you'll have a lot of outside noise pouring in. And I think it's most important to filter all that and still listen to your gut. And sometimes even when everyone is telling you, no, if your gut tells you, I think this is right, take a chance and, and, and you know, try it out. Because I seriously believe that your inner voice is often the best guide and knows the answer that's right. Awesome. Great. Well, before we wrap up, I want to give you this opportunity to you know, plug anything you want to. I think you have some cool announcements. Yeah, definitely. Thank, thank, thanks for the opportunity. So, Sistine Solar, we are at a super exciting phase. Uh, like I was saying earlier, we're coming out with the residential product, solar panels that can blend in with your rooftop. So no matter what color your rooftop is, we can make that look super pretty on your roof and in fact make your roof look even more beautiful than without solar panels. Um, and this product is coming out uh, in the first quarter of next year. We are taking pre-orders at the moment. So go to our website, www.sistinesolar.com. There are some very cool uh, uh, pictures of our installations, some very cool visualizations. You'll get a kick out of it. Also, there is a sign-up list where you can sign up for pre-orders. And you do that, what we'll do is we'll come back to you and do a free personalized uh, evaluation for your home. Mm -hmm. If you qualify, we'll provide you visualizations of what our designs could look like on your roof, uh, how much energy you can save, what it's going to cost, and all of this done free of cost uh, so that you can make the best decision to proceed further. Uh, so we're taking these pre-orders. Uh, we're doing a limited number of pre-orders, so we encourage everyone to sign up as quickly as possible. Um, and you can also find us out besides our website. We've got a very active Twitter handle at Sistine Solar. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook under Sistine Solar name. Uh, so check us out. And uh, uh, you know, if nothing else, you get a great visual delight going through the many beautiful uh, pictures and uh, photographs that we've got up there. Thank you so much. Um, as somebody who has personally been to many of those sites, they are definitely worth your time. And it's really cool to see the different things that Sistine Solar has done. So thank you so much for joining us. No, we really appreciate you. you being here. No, um, thank, thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Joe. Let me, just, let me just say finally one thing that I love what you guys are doing. <laughs> I love how you guys are using this to inspire other entrepreneurs and other you know, want to be entrepreneurs. Um, I think that's exactly the kind of energy that we need to spread out. So this is fantastic what you guys are doing. Again, it's been an honor to be on the pilot episode. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. And on our website, on our show notes, you will find more. You will find links to Sistine Solar's many accounts and more information on Synthil, as well as more information on us if you are curious. <laughs> yep. And if you would like to support a show, 
the show, please tell a friend, tweet about us, visit our website. And for listening in the future, give us a review. Uh, Five-star reviews are super helpful on at Apple sure. iTunes. Yeah. If, uh, if this is in the far-flung future and we're finally set up on iTunes, please go give us a five-star review. You don't have to review it. That's boring and it takes time. Although, uh, I issue a challenge. If you leave a pudding recipe for me next to a five-star review, I will make that pudding recipe and I will let you know and I will rate your pudding recipe. I'll let you know how I enjoyed your pudding in exchange for your five-star review because it really helps us out to uh, reach more folks. And that challenge will change every week. <laughs> yeah. So there's only so much pudding Joe can I make. I can only eat, well, you, you never know. We have to test my limits. <laughs> but please subscribe to our show. Uh, keep listening. We'll have many, many interesting guests. And we will have a mailing list as well. Um, and more to come in the future. So for suggestions, please get in touch. Visit our website. Tweet at us. We are, again, uh, at talkcleanpodcast.com um, or email us and we look forward to hearing from yeah, you thank you so much for tuning in thank you all right this has been talk clean to me thank you so much <laughs>